0: This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve Go ahead and play it back,
1: you ain't gonna touch me You're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me I bet you wish you was me, I know let I know
2: What's up everybody?
0: <laughs> How you doing?
2: There's some... There's some shit to get to today,
0: boys! And girl. And girls. <laughs> and girls.
2: Uh, I, I hate these shows.
0: Yeah, me too.
2: I, I hate these shows. I enjoyed the reaction video. Well, I, didn't, I don't know if I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed doing a reaction video to the brink Canning interview both times because, uh, you know, you feel like you're... you're
3: it's a negative free roll.
2: <laughs> yeah, you kind of feel like you're moving in a good direction. These these touchy subjects Uh, that probably... I don't know. It's weird because, right, we have all these platforms within the space and a lot of us are just friends for long periods of time. So sometimes you see uh, emotional debates that are probably better served between two friends behind closed doors Mm -hmm. play out in public. Mm -hmm. And man, there's like some really great things that that interview will lead to a discussion on. But also at the same time, like I feel so awful for... Every party, everybody was involved. Nobody, like, nobody wins here. Yeah, yeah. It's it feels like such a loss, loss. Uh, mostly for Ebony, not because uh, Joey's not taking one on the chin today as well, but more so because like this was her week. Yeah, right. Like this is this is your moment in the sun. This is your time to shine. Uh, it's it's an absolute career defining type of situation that happened. Now it kind of gets poo pooed by. A lot of this controversy that is uh unnecessary is a, a good starting point but also just maybe more so um, poorly timed definitely poorly timed <laughs> for sure poorly timed uh but but more so like unable to be resolved right like when we start talking and we'll get into this as the show rolls on but like when we get into the bigger conversation of this all it wasn't like uh there was going to be any sort of conclusion reached or uh mountain moved whenever it comes to the issues that this industry faces and how joey and ebony and all of us as bystanders uh kind of play a role right so it's it's especially unfortunate to be uh undermined in your like moment in the sun uh whenever it's over something where it's just like this is a philosophical problem yeah right um for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, we are discussing the Joey Ingram Ebony Kenny interview from yesterday. Uh, it is, or it was, uh, meant to be a bit of a victory lap for Ebony as she came off a career-defining moment, finishing fifth in the 200k Coinflex. Sorry, Coin, coin rivet. rivet. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not Doug. Rugg. Honestly, Doug
3: Rugg Invitational. How how,
2: how brutal is it? that the more notable name of the two is the one that fucking rugged <laughs> no, it's usually like that though it's it's an earworm for me now it's like, like i can't that. like i can't get it right yeah you know no matter how hard i keep pounding coin riveted in my head i'm gonna Let's constantly go back to
3: Coinplex. maybe they'll sponsor an invitational
2: <laughs> <laughs> i gotta tell you melissa i don't think they have any funds left
3: oh.
2: best i can tell from the uh the repayment plan last i heard <laughs> was 10 cents on the dollar Oh, not not a good. Their
1: customers definitely don't have any funds left.
2: Well, that's for sure. Crypto's dropped, and the uh, liquidity has gone with it. All right. Anyways, the the Doug rug aside, you know the uh, the 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 terrible. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. She got fifth place in the 200k coin rivet invitational, 80. the pro am, um, and this is. You know, we already spoke about, we we dedicated an episode to this once. Uh, I do think it's worth re-highlighting again. Like, we are, uh, and me particularly, uh, I'm so jaded. And I think to a degree the audience also is. We're so numb to the big numbers getting thrown around.
0: Yeah, 100%. We're
2: so numb to faces that have been around for a while and, you know, are kind of uh, given an opportunity or granted a big score. We talked about this a little bit with Grafton winning the, uh, well, actually winning the, the 200k for 5.5 million where um you know it's such a big number dude it's it's massive it's massive it's it's such a big it was 119 players 118 players something like that it's truly 200k it's a big it's such a big number for some reason it feels so small i
3: know it's weird it's over half i feel like our perspectives on these numbers are completely
0: they're so
2: warped
1: they're warped they're over half the main event right uh first place prize
2: right and it's it's you know, for years the main event was like between seven and eight million, and that was like close to its peak. So mm-hmm. it's it's not that far off, and I think it's because the buy-in is so high, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of shuts us as a community out. Like we know we're never playing that, right? But that's exactly why players play it, right? But that's really. exactly why the Ebony Kenny story should be so surreal, yeah, mm-hmm. right?
0: Like, right? Someone that's not in the arena goes to the arena, wins infinite dollars, like winning one point yeah. one point seven million it's a massive number but just because of the high roller scene because of the higher influx of buy-ins that have happened it feels like it doesn't mean anything but it means
2: a fucking lot right like imagine winning 1.7 well that's the thing we we made a movie out of this in 2016 and i was playing like yes the buy-in that person right sort of sort of right like not to this degree not not to this degree no ebony was playing two five a week ago
1: you were playing you were playing super high cash
2: right like i had already had uh, you know i i got fifth for uh 1.1 million and at that point it was my biggest tournament score didn't even come close to my biggest cash game win Mm -hmm. i'd won almost double that Mm -hmm. right so it's like it's we made that narrative. We created it because it's like, I wasn't a tournament player. This was a massive buy-in and it was getting all the public attention and shine. And like, it was a true event back then, right? Right. So we, we formulated this whole dead money, like he can't win type of narrative. And when it plays out favorably, it's obviously a great story. Uh, and to that end, I think like Ebony had a crew following her and she's going to have something very similar that comes out of this. It's going to be fantastic to Absolutely. watch, <laughs> but it's so easy for us publicly to gloss over this, yeah. right? Like,
0: it's easy to move on to the next thing that happens because someone's going to win something for X million and just we're going to forget, kind of dust it. That's what happens with news. It gets old.
2: Yes, that's true. But also I think that we lose we lose the gravity of the situation in the sense that uh, yeah, we don't do a good enough job as a community to uh, kind of like elevate and portray ebony for who she is and her relevance to to this whole narrative right and i think that that's what this podcast was meant to do when we say victory lap it's not a puff your chest and get your shine kind of thing right it's more so like uh introducing ebony and her relevance to to the community to those who don't already know Right.
0: right it's like if you didn't know here's a piece for you
2: yeah and uh you know there were some really touching points she was very vulnerable throughout this there were there were points uh you know the first two hours of the podcast were like exactly that and pretty fantastic right uh you know i don't know ebony super well but i know her uh throughout the years um yeah. you know have interacted with her we've had conversations whatever she she was very forward with the human element of this and, and it really does turn into a a really great human interest story when you hear things like uh, you know she was on food stamps five years ago it's like i'm sure that wasn't public knowledge part of that and it's it's not something that when you're in the shit you're gonna have a very easy time admitting but no. when you're on the other side of the shit and you've just had some life altering score or mm-hmm. uh wait for it windfall <laughs> there It is bingo when you have a windfall yeah um you know it, it's a lot easier to kind of reflect and say like look guys like it, it's been an uphill battle and you know, kind right. of like what we we're saying with the Grafton thing where it's like it's easy to just look at this and say, hey, uh, he's been around a while or she's been around a while. Like a big score was bound to come right. happy for her. Uh, but, you know, this isn't going to this isn't going to be front page news for me kind of thing. Right. And what they're trying to say is like, no, you don't understand what went into this. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this result may have been a byproduct of variance. But let me tell you. About the path that led to this, so let me tell you about the ups, the downs, the struggles, like how close I was to being out of the game altogether. Uh, you know, uh, effectively, the last five to ten years for her, it, it was it was very much a roller coaster, right? It's it's the life of a grinder, mm-hmm. but more importantly, like she's a mom on top of that, she has responsibilities. She had a, a terrible medical scare with her son that I don't know if she mentioned it in the pod. I don't recall her mentioning it, but I know that it was public for a while where. Uh, you know, his life was kind of hanging in the balance. That right. takes a toll on you. Your yeah. career takes a back seat. You know, you don't have the ability to just persevere through that and chase your your lofty expectations of yourself whenever you have to sacrifice for another. So yeah. these stories are so fascinating to highlight. They really do create the character of uh, who Ebony is and why we should care yeah. that she got this windfall, right? Why we should be celebrating and uh, championing for for her beyond the fact that she's a minority or that she's a woman right Mm. because i think that that tends to be what gets too much of the attention
0: i agree do you think that when it comes to this stuff the vast majority has a bad perception of humanizing or understanding someone else's accomplishments maybe due to jealousy due to lack of opportunity or things of that nature where people think oh if i had that opportunity i would Do this. I would do that.
2: Yeah, I I think that it's difficult for um. Well, I guess it depends like what type of fan you are, Mm -hmm. right? Because like it, the further removed you are, I think the easier it is to just kind of like applaud and say, "Hey, hell of a job! Really proud of what you've done." Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm here for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think of like myself watching sports. Right, it's very easy for me to watch an NFL game. And just be like, these guys are monsters. Like 100%. I could never do what they do. I just respect everything that's going on out there. But then like I might watch a baseball game with uh, you <laughs> know, some some like half wit lefty who's throwing eighty five, thinking to myself, like That could be me you I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> I could do like uh do you remember what's his face? He pitched for the Phillies till he was like fifty six years old. He was a lefty, broke maybe eighty three and could barely crack a plane of glass with a fastball. Uh, this was probably like 10 years ago, but anyway, uh, I used to watch him and just get so angry, right? Like, it was so hard not to project my own failed accomplishments mm-hmm. onto him. Right. Where it's just like...
1: But his finesse was so good that that's why he was there.
2: Oh, he was also 50. He came into the league in fucking 1947. You know, it's like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's right. It's <laughs> at be,
2: different yeah. times, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you're right.
0: It's because of the removal aspect. Like, when you when you have a relationship to it, you then see yourself in those shoes.
2: Jamie Moore, Yes. Uh,
0: you see yourself in, in those positions like that could be me like there's right. a version of me that gets there because yes i see it right in front of me
2: yes like something about jamie moyer allowed him to be jamie moyer and something about me allowed me not to be jamie moyer right and because it's very knew. difficult not to project that out and just be like fuck that guy yeah like it, it's weird because you would think that the opposite would happen where i would look at him and be like we're the same. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to root for this guy. No, exact opposite. It was mm-hmm. just like sheer jealousy and envy where it's like, this guy throws 85. I throw 85. We're both left-handed. What's the difference? What's the difference what, here? What's what's different? Right? Yeah, what is different? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I think that, um, you know, th- landon's point that that does happen far too often in poker because now the skill is so less noticeable right right it's so more difficult to identify exactly how people are making money and what makes them uh above average or elite it's all thought process right so if you're not having deep intellectual conversations with them it's very easy to just judge a book by its cover Mm -hmm. and say like this asshole got a lucky opportunity and got to cash in on it and that asshole should have been me right right and that's very unfair uh to anybody who's willing to stick their neck out and be in the public sphere i think i
3: think that also and i've even gotten this from being on this podcast where people are like you wouldn't be on there if you weren't a woman like the only reason you're on there is because of the way you look or because you're a woman and that's like you know one in every like 200 people that say that but that i think that maybe is part of where that comes from
2: yeah i yeah i understand what you're saying like you're filling a quota yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the irony is that uh, you being a woman only makes your humor grosser and harder to laugh at. So, if anything. If you can't like,
3: tell I like to make people squirm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like your
2: cringe level actually is is significantly higher. Yeah. But um, definitely one of a kind. Yeah. No, I mean, like that's always going to be the case where we feel like there are these uh, unspoken quotas that need to be met in order to fulfill some sort of like. Societal uh, obligation or like progressive movement uh or whatever the case may be, and you know some of this is born out of us living through a day and age where affirmative action was like just a major talking point in the political realm for decades and uh you know it it, it did some heavy lifting and it probably did some harm as well along the way and it's tough as human beings to look at the nuance of stuff like that and try to determine like success or failure. We just right. want things to be very black and white yep uh and and you know to melissa's point it's very easy to project uh whatever bias you may have whether it be championing for her because she's a woman and has an opportunity or tearing her down because you feel like that opportunity is only born out of the fact that she's a woman uh i don't know that there's a solution to that other than constantly shining a light on it and uh speaking about it whenever the opportunity arises Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate for Melissa because, like, I don't know what that's like. Uh, I I know to a lesser degree where it's like people think I'm a shit rag who got an (laughs) opportunity in a in a spot that I didn't deserve.
0: Yeah, but it's not
2: the same. Can they go back to thinking you're bad at poker? I would love that man. Please, man, get dog pork out of fucking (laughs) retirement. Let's. You know what? I'll keep talking about Doug's rug. You keep talking about how I'm incompetent at the table, and we'll both benefit. Yeah. somehow some way we'll both come out on top of <laughs> he's, really this. Yeah. Bad. he's really i mean bad uh, to
3: that point <laughs> i do f- i think that it's a double-edged sword because um as a woman i know that just statistically amongst the field of you know p- poker players i stand out more like i mm. can leverage that to try and build a brand or you know sure set myself up for opportunities in the future like it's it's easier to be noticed when you stick out there's negatives that come with that because you stick out right so it's sort of
2: and i think with this scenario with ebony i think that that's what was uh that's what's really unfortunate why if if i were in her situation i would probably feel a little bit extra hurt and a little bit uh down on the whole situation as a whole because you know not only is she unique just in her sheer presentation of being a woman in a male-dominated field, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being a minority in a in a largely whitewashed field, um, but she did something that was actually unique, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like the uniqueness of this is not her skin color or her gender; oh. it's her standing in the community and like being somebody who is on the outside looking in to that sort of arena. And I I want to frame it that way specifically because it's not like she's a nobody. It's not like she's not a good poker player or uh, doesn't have any skill. It's just that she's not a high roller. Yeah. And like few of us are. So it's easy to be on the outside looking in kind of with your nose on the glass saying like, you know, if I work hard enough or if I get an opportunity, I hope I can compete kind of thing. And that's legitimately what happened. Like not only was she playing with the best of the best, complete elite competition across the board, but she's playing for money that just the buy-in alone would probably be career-altering. Maybe yeah. not life-changing, maybe not career-changing, but if she had just been given the 200K instead of a seat, that in and of itself might have been a big enough opportunity to like really alter her path in this game moving forward, right? right. So she's playing 20x, 20X the stakes of what she usually plays for an amount of money that if she could just cash out now, she. you know, it's kind of like that whole when you first get into poker and you're talking to your parents about it, and uh, you're you're like in a tournament that's a little bit too big for you or whatever. You're like, I'm chip leader with X amount of chips. So they're like, just just cash out now. Right. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's, that's not an option. We're here for the long haul, right? So like there's that mental aspect that she had to overcome. There's so many uh, mitigating factors that make this run so much more notable than anybody else doing it yeah. outside of like uh, somebody else in her shoes, right? Because even an amateur businessman doing it he doesn't have the money factor weighing on him right he doesn't have the the uh the aspect of like how career altering or life changing he this wins or loses it. he goes back to living his normal life. right right he has the struggles of strategy mm-hmm. right like he has he has to fill in the gaps where uh you know he lacks strategy and things of that nature he lacks confidence in his decision making whatever the case may be yeah. but imagine that taking place still, when you know what the right answer is, but all these other mitigating factors are weighing in on you,
0: right? Right. There's definitely um, some, I'm sure there is some sort of um, like financial ideas running in the background of like, I know I should bluff catch sometimes, Mm -hmm. but this is such a big spot. This is a one-off moment. Like, do I mix a call? Do I find a a fold? Like, do I run this bluff in some spots where you just, as a human, these things are naturally going to exist when, you're effectively playing outside of your means in the best way possible she
2: highlighted two of those spots she said in the 25k she checked down five high in a spot where she was positive it was a bluff but was just scared yeah and then and later like respectable like yeah and then later in the 200k she basically had a decision for a tournament life for sean perry with a middle pair bluff catcher yeah and it took her five time banks before she could arrive to the correct decision but she got there right well, yeah
0: and she was right and she was right let's fucking go
2: dude. yeah so it's like <laughs> that's you know, that's one of those situations where it's very easy in hindsight to have just misstepped and said, like, I'll look for a better opportunity.
0: Yeah. It's also easy for us looking at the results of the overall tournament and seeing fifth for 1.7 and being not knowing these details. Yeah, right. Because right. yeah. We only see the end result. We don't see the tournament take place in its purest form for her unless she tells us that. Like, I didn't know that that was part of what happened until yeah. just re- hearing about it now. And that means a lot because when you just see a number, it just dilutes the entire experience. For sure. Right? And because we're not the ones playing it. Mm-hmm. But every, just every big score that we've had, I'm sure, there have been hands or situations from that tournament that will stick with you and you'll remember for the rest of your life.
2: Yeah, and I think that that's, that was the intention of this interview between her and Ingram, right? Right,
0: it should have been. like well, that.
2: I'm sure that it was. Right, right. Like, I, I don't. I don't want to assign malice to Joey. Where yeah, I don't course. think it, it it exists. Like they're longtime friends. Yeah, I'm very very certain that at his core he was extremely happy for his friend. Hundred percent. And that came off in the early portions of the interview. The problem is is that, uh, well, there's there's two things that happen. So first, this this is not a problem. This is a positive. Ebony as I know her is authentically herself. Mm-hmm. There's there's no questioning like who ebony is what she stands for what she she represents uh you know what what is her uh viewpoint on a lot of things like now of course uh there's a lot of nuance there that may not be understood if you just see her on social media or uh brush into her at a tournament or whatever the case may be yeah um but She's, she's very unapologetically her herself. And she spoke to a lot of this in detail throughout the interview, which I thought she did a really great job of articulating, speaking about how, uh, you know, she's kind of grown up in the game and how 10 years ago, she wouldn't have been prepared for this opportunity and how, you know, in the past, she had contributed to some of the things that she rallies against now. Yeah, uh, And I think all of those are very character-defining things to highlight and do a great job of leading us in on the the like notion of like who she is, what she stands for and why we should care. Right. Right. The problem then becomes that there are a lot of underpinnings to this story that aren't necessarily highlights. Right. There's, there's a lot of uh, things that could potentially be go unspoken, um, but aren't unconsidered by the audience. Right. And you know the 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 beginning of this is that Ebony is authentically—I uh, don't know if feminist is the the right term. Like I don't I don't know if she wants labels or not, but like she's very authentically uh, authentically um, championing for women, right? She's advocating for women in general, but specifically in poker, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's impossible to ignore the fact that you know Phil Nagy gave her this opportunity. Who is viewed very negatively within this space. Um, so, you know, now that we've kind of picked this interview apart for the, the good things that it is or that it was, uh, we can't really avoid the conversation of where this all went wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think it starts by just, um, you know, first looking at what the response was post-interview by Ebony. Because anybody who watched saw that that last 30 minutes went off the tracks. Like, very, very clearly, right? right. It, was, it was two different tones from the first two hours to the final 30. Um, and again, like, it's very critical to understand that, like, these are two friends that are talking in a public sphere, right? So uh, there is some nuance to that where perhaps it was getting a little charged at times, but, like, that's just the way that they speak to people. They kind of... Or speak to each other. They kind of forget that the mics are on, that, that type of stuff. It happens all the time with us here yeah. on set, mm-hmm. right? But uh, I felt... I felt what she felt uh, not, not for the same reasons but I felt what she felt when she just ended the interview I've been in that spot I've been in that spot enough with you guys where he did it last week I think I tried
3: he said he told us yeah I think I feel that way 20% of the time and I was like we gotta get those numbers up I don't think she
2: realizes that 20% is one show a week that means once a week those are rookie
3: numbers guys once we can do week better than that to
2: end it all <laughs> um but yeah like let's not ruin our
0: friend's mental sanity
2: (laughs) it's it's very difficult with with an open forum and open mics like this to have an emotionally charged uh conversation in any way shape or form without a really stringent framework and that's why we were late today like we put a lot of prep time into this because i wanted to ensure today wasn't one of the the five times that i want to just like walk off set right so i really i viscerally felt what she felt i know what it's like to be boiling over that much and also be like looking your friend in the face saying like how did you get me here yeah you know like i thought we were on the same team here um so her, her thread i thought did a good job of articulating like where that raw emotion was was coming from and uh, why it may have been a little bit unnecessary. So I, I think that this will frame a lot of uh, what we talk about moving forward. So I'm going to briefly go through the thread. Um, it leads with, to say I was disappointed would be an understatement. After a wonderfully exhausting week, uh, this is not how I thought I would be celebrating. Alas, here we are, and I have some thoughts for you, Joe Ingram. Um, so she starts, number one, the idea that women have to answer for men in time at all times is ridiculous double standard demanding women to do the emotional label labor on uh for the behavior of men number two me asking your community to stop calling women bitches isn't censorship intention matters number three when men get loud they're fired up when black women do it they're angry and have a temper number four when you allow your community to attack your guest's supposed friend you are co-creating toxic behavior Uh, Number five, when I see bad behavior, I call it out all the time, not just when it's convenient. I go hard in the paint for anybody being mistreated, both publicly and privately, and there are multiple people who can vouch for that. Uh, Not only am I active on the front lines, I'm working diligently behind the scenes to create a positive and long-standing impact. Uh, Although it felt less severe when I found out the mod who used the word uh, bitch was a woman, again, I say intention matters. Um, using the word bitch for woman in a negative way in a male dominated space only harms women. It perpetuates the negativity attached to the use of the word, uh, amongst an already extremely toxic chat environment. Uh, number seven, uh, this is just her basically framing out how you can say the word bitch positively versus negatively, uh, uh, whatever I, i'm not gonna do it justice i'm not gonna read it <laughs>
1: we really to hear uh
2: that. number eight please go, <laughs> you go for it number eight going in on somebody so hard asking them to explain the actions of another person while glazing uh while glazing over a guest accused of cheating and a friend shilling a crypto site uh that fuck people over is not only bad optics it shit behavior so that kind of ties back into number one a little bit but also uh now kind of calls joey's character into question a little bit with regard to the bring kenny interview and not calling out doug or uh the crypto rug um number nine rejecting progress growth and new ideas is exhausting i don't know how some of you do it number 10 if treating people well and wanting to be treated well in return is considered being woke then i'm woke as fuck lead with love and own your shit um i i think comprehensively this list is very good it's a lot of like what we have framed out to talk about today in in today's show i do think some of it had like It's clear there's emotion injected there, Um, you know, kind of like the calling him out for uh, the bring Kenny interview and the 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 Doug rug. It's 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 fine, it's fine, but it's also exactly what was happening. Uh, You're asking him to now answer for other people the same way uh, you were kind of positioned to answer for other people. So I I think that like overall, her thoughts come across very well, uh, and uh, it's understandable like where. the hurt comes from, like why she's upset, and, and uh, all things that align with that. Like, again, you know, this was supposed to be her victory lap. So, yeah. um, to even have to come up with that thread thereafter just shows how far off the rails we went. And, uh, you know, it was a mere 30 minute discussion that derailed potentially two and a half hours of, of something that was pretty reasonable. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I want to get a little bit deeper into. Uh, framing out what I consider to be where this conversation went went awry, if you will. Uh, first and foremost, I kind of already referenced this, but the Nagy element to this story is impossible to ignore. Right? Uh, th- there's really nothing we can do to separate Ebony from uh, Nagy at this point, uh, just due to the fact that uh, not only does she rep his brand, but he was. Both the benefactor of her deep run as well as the financier. And all of those things, I want to be very clear up front. All of those things are fine. Get your bag.
0: Yeah.
2: No one is judging Ebony, or at least nobody should be judging Ebony yeah, okay. for uh, in any way, shape, or form capitalizing on this opportunity. Right. Uh, you know, I don't know if like Mormon or Katie Lindsay were, were offered the same opportunity, but if they were, there is absolutely 0% chance anybody or Guru or any of the other ACR pros, there's yeah. no fucking way. Anyone outside of just like kind of hating on the fact that it's not them would ever be like, oh, that's that's blood money. Like you you can't do that, right? Yeah. Like there's a big difference between. Uh, I, I think there's a big difference between benefiting off of uh, the the product that is aligned with somebody who may be shitty versus benefiting directly off of somebody who's shitty and then supporting them, right? So I don't think her accepting this buy-in, I don't think her representing this site by any stretch of the imagination is like a, an advocacy for Nagy, right? Like, I don't think that that somehow leads to her championing for uh, someone that the community at large has, has dismissed as not great. Right? right,
0: the opportunity itself is isolated.
2: Yes, so I think that that's very important to uh to lay out. But with that said, if we can't really ignore the naggy aspect of all this, it's very delicate how it gets interjected then into the conversation. Because if if what happens happened, uh so a couple of times throughout the interview Joey kind of pressed on her a little bit and said, you know, "Well, uh I know you to be uh th- this advocate for women." What about the fact that Nagy is just like, you know, accused by multiple women in the community of sexual harassment type of stuff? When you press in that specific way, what it does is it now forces Ebony to defend her viewpoints on the state of affairs for women in poker. Right. Right. So it, it really corners her into having to defend herself for being an advocate of a cause that she believes in. And now it's all somehow tied back to Nagy, so i think that like that in and of itself is going to create a defensive posturing and is going to obviously allow emotions to boil over and like really take things off the rails a bit yeah
0: uh it's reductive uh,
2: yes it doesn't mean to be but but it come it 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 forces itself to be it slowly turns into that yes uh so corollary to that is joey introducing the drama. Mm-hmm. Right, this really is what got the ball rolling on on things just absolutely derailing, uh, and I, I see a few issues with this. Right, so up until that point, I thought Ebony had addressed the Nagy stuff pretty well and kind of moved past it. Right, like sure, maybe as an audience, we would like to hear her thoughts more on his past transgressions, uh, what it feels like to represent. Uh, a site led by a man like that whenever you're so in the corner of women whatever but she doesn't owe us that right absolutely like, not she doesn't owe us that and though we may have an appetite for it uh it's not it's not critical to this interview in any way shape or form like this is a this is a victory lap let's keep the ball keep the eye on the prize like right. keep your eye on the ball type of thing right, right. but what ends up like kind of really derailing it is joey introduces the D-Nex drama where um previously this year ebony had kind of like publicly called dean eggs out for an incident back in 2008 or 2009 uh in foxwoods and uh the problem with this being brought up is that it personifies this bigger unspoken conversation of what is ebony's stance as a whole on the current state of affairs for women in poker. Mm-hmm. And then the nuance that trickles down from there, right? So beyond what your stance is, uh, how can we as a community at large kind of rally together and help things move in a positive direction? Who, or maybe, maybe not getting to the point of, of naming names, but like for those that the community deems to be uh, out of line or talking out of pocket, how can we better... Uh, converse with them in their platform. Why are you laughing?
0: No, it's out of pocket. It's funny. Uh, from, okay. Uh, yeah. Just, 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 go just,
2: your, I was thinking too much. Go your side.
0: <laughs> um, Definitely gotta go my side here. So,
2: so it becomes like, uh, you know, how can we how can we have a bigger conversation with them as a whole, right? Right. Unfortunately, like, what ends up happening is by this being brought up, it's very personal to her. It's anecdotal to her. And what it does is it now personifies the problem that's not being spoke about spoken about, which is misogyny and poker, right? Mm-hmm. So now it puts a face to it. And it's one of the biggest platforms in our community. So it puts it puts Daniel on blast specifically, right? And the the issue there is that A, it's emotionally charged because again it's personal to Ebony. Uh, it's anecdotal to Ebony. And that's not to say that Daniel isn't at fault. And it's not to say that Daniel doesn't have other incidents where he may have made other people feel uncomfortable. It's just that Ebony is the one with the mic right now, and it's a call-out of Daniel, right? Now, she was led this way by Joey, the interviewer, which, again, I believe to be a problem, but, you know, emotion gets invoked here. It's impossible for it not to, right? Right. Um, And once that happens, now it's absolutely impossible to ignore Nagy's role in all of this in the community, right? Now, there is no way we exit this conversation without Joey asking the unasked question of what about Nagy? Right. Mm -hmm. And as a viewer and as a peer, I'm watching this and you know, I want him to follow up. Now he doesn't have to listen to me in the chat, but, but like I'm pressing too. I'm in the chat saying like, okay, you have all these issues with Daniel and that's totally fine. This is potentially an incident that's worth calling out. But how are we not hearing your voice then? About Nagy. And I can understand that she's coming from the vantage point of like, look, you guys don't see what's going on behind closed doors. I'm advocating hard for women with Nagy. I'm in his ear. There is change taking place uh at a higher level behind closed doors. But the problem is is that like if that's true, that needs to be communicated in some capacity. Like, there needs to be some good faith there where she is and, and I know that's not fair. It's not fair to put the responsibility on her to uh, to to make Nagy look better to the public, right? Yeah, that, that's she's not, not his her job. PR rep. Right, she's not his PR rep, and uh, that's certainly she shouldn't
3: even be in that position. The fact that she even has to check her own boss to tell him to stop sexually harassing is fucking ridiculous. But what, I'm this. I don't like this topic, so I'm gonna stay quiet. No,
2: no, no. <laughs> I, I I think your point is valid, and oh, I, yeah. I I want to loop back to that. Yeah. Um, I just want to kind of like lay out the groundwork for for everything that's out there. So. I want to be fair to all parties involved because I think this topic is incredibly nuanced and it's not as simple as like, oh, you fucked up here and you fucked up there. It's not that. It's literally objectively what happened, right? When d gets brought up, Nagy is going to get brought up. The same way whenever this happened with Vanessa, when Blazerian got brought up, Nagy's going to get brought up. Like it's it's just inevitable. You're always, as a community, we're always going to uh, ask for... The, the 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 spectrum as a whole right like yes you have every right to call out these incidences as they happen but we as the public who are less in the know who are less in the thick of things who are less uh on the front lines also want to know where we are supposed to stand with regard to these others because all we can follow are actions and words mm-hmm. right and so when there's a lack of words, we have to look at actions. And to, to an ignorant observer who doesn't know Ebony at all, who doesn't know all the work that she's putting in behind the scenes, who doesn't really know anything outside of like what they see on Twitter and things of that nature, it looks as though she's standing with him and, and advocating or rallying against Daniel. right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the optics of it. Yeah. That, that may not necessarily be what's happening, but that's the sheer optics. And... Uh, that's why I think this whole conversation should have just been avoided, right? Um, so now once that happens, the chat becomes organic. Like, like it actually grows into uh, a third guest of the stream, if you will, or a second guest of the stream. And it becomes a focal point to pretty much both parties involved.
0: Yeah, the snowball grows.
2: Right, and like, obviously, that becomes uh, a, a very negative free roll for both joey and for ebony because we're already at like an emotional apex uh we're already into a conversation that should not be a part of a victory lap and we're already now especially if like neither one of them are really prepped for this the the language and the framing of all this stuff is going to matter so much right so if joey missteps at all with his words which i'm sure admittedly he would say he did it's going to cause a specific reaction out of ebony Right. And vice versa, right and what ended up occurring is now the chat kind of became the angry mob, and it resulted in two emotional uh back and forths between ebony and Joey, yeah where as things are boiling over, Joey kind of got a little bit reductive and you know kind of became a bit dismissive of uh of ebony and was kind of like almost. There's a like, little
3: bit of a mocking tone at some yeah, points. Yeah,
2: it was like soft trolling. Yeah, right. And it's like they're friends, so like I'm not sure where the line lies for that. But as an observer, I understood where, like, mm-hmm. I felt that visceral reaction of like, what the fuck, man?
0: Right, especially when it comes to like the chat. Like, you give an inch, she will take a mile. Yes. Right, like as soon as you start adding in the trolling and such, which is fine if you guys can kind of keep that between you two. But the chat is just not something that you're going to be able to control fully right
2: and will be fed into hard also uh, i just think like you know this wasn't supposed to be a tough interview like no this is supposed to be a softball thing so it's like what really came across to me is that he's unsympathetic to how volatile the situation became Mm -hmm. and in that particular moment now she doesn't have a friend across from her she has an adversary and that's that's not great right like that's that's a he kind of
3: becomes a personification of the chat
2: yes exactly Right and now uh, and I think we saw that right there was like a little bit of projecting projecting both ways that was taking place where he's getting very defensive of the chat and she's getting very aggro towards the chat and uh, you yeah. know whether it was a miscommunication or not there was this aspect of one of his female moderators saying something along the line of when are women going to stop being bitches and supporting one another and I think just seeing the word bitches was enough. To, uh, set it off. Right, really set it off, even though if that wasn't necessarily the message, right? Like, if she had the full context of this is a woman utilizing the word in uh, maybe not a great way, but, like, right. it, it wasn't meant in the standard derogatory way. It seemed like it was a representation of the word coward. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, you know, maybe that that's also just, like, crossing right. a line. But it right. was enough in a highly volatile situation to, like, really just things off the hinges it was a right? poor
0: connotation of the word yeah
2: yeah yeah definitely poor word choice and she apologized very quickly in the chat mm-hmm. but that was obviously very glossed over it had to be at that point you know the right. uh the, the fight had ensued
0: right? Yeah, like the bull saw the red you know yeah it's on it's yeah. just on
2: so with all of that kind of framed out a little bit uh i want to i want to reframe this conversation i, I want to take this conversation away from uh from gender and misogyny a little bit because a i don't think that it's our job as a as a reaction podcast here right to kind of insert like i think i i what it what it is is that i want to have an opinion on this and i think we all want to have an opinion on this we all do have an opinion on this but i don't want it to get wrapped up into the uh the the like social dynamic of uh gender roles misogyny uh you know all all of these things that we're constantly battling because i think we're all on the same team right we're all in favor of being more inclusive uh you know uh, uplifting women as much as possible uplifting minorities as much as possible We're we're all in that camp yeah where i think this conversation is better steered towards is the use of a public platform as a whole because in this particular instance the chat was given a public platform and Joey and uh, Joey, Joey has a very large public platform that he's allowing Ebony to leverage, and Ebony already has a public platform of their own. So I think that it's really critical to like kind of outline um, the ups and downs of these platforms and the responsibilities that come with them, and how we can better just do better as a whole with these types of conversations moving forward. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think the first thing that is important to understand is that and obviously this is uh a lesson that i'm kind of learning the hard way with some tough combos myself um where it's it's very important to be thoughtful when on social media or on the mic and you have a large audience watching uh
0: we're just an audience right it gets amplified because it's large
2: but what you say still holds weight
0: whether or not it's a large.
2: It does, society. but the, the the difference is when I'm speaking to seven people in a room that I'm close with. Sure. I don't I, I don't public. need to be so particular with curating my message.
0: Right. I just meant in a public platform. Like if you reach 50 people or 5,000, sure. like still be careful.
2: There's yeah, a critical mass. Yes and no. Uh, but I'm not even talking about carefulness, right? I'm, I'm talking about thoughtfulness, right? Okay. So you can say the same message two different ways. Mm-hmm. And the difference is that at a critical mass, you're gonna be offered far less grace and uh, far less room for maneuverability with your words. Right? right. So kind of what I'm saying is like, as the audience gets large, it's very important that you've put real thought into curating a message that's clear, concise, and well thought out to a degree that there isn't going to be easy misunderstandings right. or, uh, you know, misrepresentations of, of what you mean. You want to or reduce as
0: much nuance as possible.
2: Yeah, so this, this happened with me with uh, the commentary thing where uh, somebody replied a comment on the thing and said something to the effect of, uh, I watch all the Hustler streams. Uh, the reason that they're crushing is because their table talk is the best, period. And then it said... Something to the effect of um, if you polled an audience uh, and asked them if they would rather mute the commentary or mute the table talk, they would all choose to mute the commentary. And I said, that's because it largely stinks. Mm -hmm. But what I meant, how I read that was uh, two separate thoughts. Yeah, Hustler is great. And then secondary to that, amongst all live streams, if given the opportunity to listen to table talk or commentary, people would choose the table talk. And I was just judging commentary on the aggregate, mm-hmm. saying it stinks. Yeah. And on the aggregate, it probably does. That wasn't a slight at Hustler. That wasn't a slight at Nick or Ali or a lot of these other people that I think are great at what they do. Right. Uh, it's a slight at the people that I think are just given a mic mm-hmm. with, without much credential, right? But I wasn't thoughtful about that.
0: No, I didn't, you, you I didn't, didn't take any time. Yeah. yeah, I
2: didn't take any time to curate a message there. I yeah. read something one time, didn't bother to try to decipher if... Those two sentences were meant to be collective or if they were separate to one another and I responded. Yeah. And because of that, it was misunderstood, it was taken the wrong way yeah. and it created a lot of backlash. And I deserved that because I spoke openly in a public forum without curating much uh, thought into what I was doing. Right. So like I said, you learn some of these, these things the hard way. The good news is is that like I'm friendly with the people who took offense and hopefully they know me well enough to know it wasn't directed at them. Yeah, But even if they don't, uh, this is this is fixable with an apology, and this isn't attacking anybody's character. It's not like tearing anybody down. It's much more critical whenever we start to get into these social politics, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because now character does come into play, integrity comes into play, uh, you know, call out culture comes into play, and all these other things. So uh, the the other element of that is if you don't want the conversation to be scrutinized publicly, have it privately. This is, again, something that I'm very much learning the hard way. There's a lot of times where uh, even just talking with friends, I can think of times where we're replying back and forth through a tweet, through a tweet thread, and I know that they mean no harm, and I'm sure they know that I mean no harm, but the tone that we're taking with each other is a bit contentious. Right. Contentious, right? So uh, when that happens, the onlookers see a fight and begin to choose sides mm-hmm. and now they pile in yeah. mm-hmm. right they pile in based off their sides so when you're publicly about when you're publicly calling people out in an instance where you're just trying to draw attention to the larger conversation at hand right there's misogyny in poker for instance but you now publicly call out a single individual just know that that call out is going to be now uh, a division of the the platform that you're speaking on, and it's more probable that you're going to get a defensive response than an open-minded one right so these these fall very much under uh, as a public persona as somebody with a platform, we are responsible for how we choose to strategize and utilize these platforms uh, for our benefit or for our, our downfall right. Um, don't think
0: about what you post and try to remove as much nuance as possible. Yeah. You just have to be careful. Yeah. People I people misconstrue things whenever they s- want to find a way to get you.
3: I can speak to the la- <laughs> lack of strategizing. I definitely don't strategize and I speak off the cuff a lot and I have gotten <laughs> corrected for that. Rightfully so. I you know, I can be uh yeah. I can be a little much sometimes and I know that um yeah but yeah i think that having this platform where sometimes i forget that there's a bunch of people listening sure and it's like i'm just feel like i'm ranting to you guys and it's like that's not the case and what i say has implications and i need to like be mindful of that
0: yeah so solution would just be to be well, more cautious yeah, and have I, the conversation. Yeah, because I know. Line.
3: I know when I'm running over the line, and I know when I'm tearing the finish line open, and I'm throwing it, and I'm burning <laughs> yeah. it down, and I'm just like, I don't care, whatever. Yeah. But next time, you know, I can look at that line and say, all right, detour. I'm going to say it in a nice way. Just kidding. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just not say, you know, I'll just not do that. And right. I, I think that there's a lot more... Strategizing not just to avoid uh, getting myself into trouble, but to actually grow and you know build stuff. I think more strategizing yeah. is good overall.
2: I think we convince ourselves that if we uh, spend the time curating a message and uh, that comes with some level of filtering, that somehow we're being inauthentic to ourselves. Yeah, but that's not true. Like words just matter, and choosing the less inflammatory word or right. choosing the less well, yeah. emotionally charged word yeah. is not being inauthentic, it's being thoughtful of the other person right. or, of your, or of your audience right. as a whole.
3: Yeah, and it's... it's People only see, you know, a certain window. Like, right. they don't see me 24 hours of the day. So if right. that's filling up a, a decent portion of my window, then I'm not advertising myself correctly anyway.
0: Right. Yeah. There's a difference between having a visceral, visceral reaction and words to things when you have an instant opinion versus... Understanding those feelings and then instead of just being call it authentically yourself yeah finding ways to find the main core point of your sentiment right. and then relaying that in a proper way well, yeah
3: part yeah. of it is that i find it funny to rant and be vulgar and, and that's, it is and it is but i but there's a line right. <laughs> well,
2: it just depends. the line is the target yes yeah. when you're just speaking into the void or it doesn't have a per- personification right. to it right. it's it's generally going to be fine right. right right it's when you like i talk about shit regs all the time yeah it's up to you to decide if you fall into the category Yeah, 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 yeah that's and true. if you do then you chose to be offended I mean right?
3: Conrad and I are offended but
2: yeah and yeah. that's fine that's your choice <laughs> was,
4: I'm not offended.
2: You
1: know?
4: <laughs> no
3: we're proud we're proud
2: yeah. but but like that's that's a that's like kind of the, the differentiator between me actually saying like Conrad is a shit rag. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Cause now it's like strictly calling him out and he mm-hmm. has to be defensive. Yeah. Even if he does think that he's uh, we'll ultimately go fuck
4: yourself,
2: <laughs> <man>. <laughs> rightfully so. Um, so along those lines, I think that when we look at this a little bit closer and we start to dissect uh, the, the, the interviewer versus interviewee type dynamic uh, there's a huge responsibility to Joey as the host uh, to create and respect boundaries during the interview. And what I mean by that is like some level of prep needs to go in as far as like, what are you willing to talk about? What are you not willing to talk about? Where's the line? Like, what are my boundaries with you? And then vice versa, here are my boundaries for my program. Like, I don't, I I think you're overstepping if you use my platform uh, to do A, B or C, like to, uh, to air a personal attack or whatever the case may be, right? Like it's, it goes both ways it's it's his platform he is the one with the larger megaphone in this instance he's providing the audience right so it's important that he's respected as the host but it's also doubly important that he is it's a two-way street yes that, that that he's extending that same courtesy to his guests at all time right and obviously there were points in this interview where ebony didn't feel that right and that's super problematic uh i think to that end like nobody should ever be caught off guard with a line of questioning right. um, or uh, feel ambushed in any way, shape, or form. Yep.
0: Yeah, especially when it can lead to an insight of an ambush for content, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't want to get gotcha by your friends. Right. And that sometimes just happens um, by having a conversation. It's just a matter of being cognizant enough and realizing the situation in order to not have that happen because now you turn into the enemy of the person that you're trying to give a platform to.
2: Right. And I think, like to that end, he also has a huge responsibility to himself and his audience to address what's going on said. So uh, when a topic becomes like too dialed in or too nuanced, and there are clear follow-up questions that speak to a broader uh, a broader conversation at hand, mm-hmm. he absolutely has to take it there. Yeah. Now I think that the the guest has every right to opt out right like if if you don't want like ebony did a great job of this he kind of pressed her a little bit of like how much did you take away from the 1.9 yeah uh and she was just like that's none of your business yeah i don't want to talk about it uh, nobody asked fedor how big of a piece he has yada 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 and like whether that's true or not it's absolutely her right to opt out and not divulge that information 100 so i think that the sim- same thing happens and and that's a great way to de-escalate a situation right like if it's clearly uh, getting anecdotal in nature and a little bit emotional and he tries to bring it back to the broad spectrum or the the generic case and uh, you know she arrives at a like actually I just don't want to talk about this yeah uh, right. great great. We've managed to avoid what could have been a very negative spiral into uh, the, the end all of this podcast and possibly a relationship as a whole
0: right you're allowed to not talk about something if you don't want to. And yeah. in yeah. some regards, if you're going to have a conversation or a long-form public discussion, it probably is best to have a breakdown of the things that you want to talk about and bring up in order to maybe avert these situations in the future. Yeah,
2: and I mean, even at a minimum, I think that when you go on, you understand what the, what the underlying talking points are and whether or not you want to discuss them. Yeah. So I think that any time that you may lead with a little bit of nuance or personal uh, experience, It's very critical to be prepared uh, to tie it to a bigger conversation. And it's important to be able to anticipate those follow ups, even if it wasn't pre discussed, because if you're uncomfortable with those follow ups, then maybe it wasn't the best idea to uh, bring this up on on the platform to begin with. Right. Because there is a mutual responsibility for both guest and host.
0: Right. Because in this certain situation, it turned into a victory lap to then moving to a different like a gotcha yeah it moved to a different place and she wasn't trying to take it there but then when it gets to that point and you have that natural human instinct to want to defend yourself and it's completely understandable it then can become something that it wasn't supposed to be in the first place
2: so i want to now now that we've kind of laid that out uh i've done a lot of the talking i i want to hear more from you guys uh i want to like ask some very specific questions that you know we've kind of already touched upon, but uh, I want to like flesh them out a bit. So first and foremost, uh, you know the number one point in Ebony's uh, tweet was that it's a it's a rigid double standard in this industry for women to answer for men's transgressions, and she felt like she was attacked by having to address the naggy situation at all. Uh, I personally think that it was kind of a byproduct of you know calling out daniel in some regards and again i i want to i'm very hesitant with how i use that because i don't want to undermine ebony's point right like if she believes what uh transpired between her and daniel is uh a bad thing that's worthy of calling out she has every right to do that mm-hmm. right um it just it's very difficult for me personally to see where the separation lies between daniel and naggy in this instance and uh i guess that's the the larger question i i have for you um, is well actually yeah, no we'll, we'll lead with that uh, how do we separate uh, someone who is advocating for women as a whole from uh like having to disengage themselves from somebody who may be a root cause problem so in other words like how do we amplify their messages without holding them accountable for the transgressions of the person that they may align themselves with
3: yeah um it, it's a tough one i think you know i had my own personal experiences with naggy which is why i am biased on this and i think that honestly just speaking from my point of view it's hard for me to listen when someone is saying like they want all women to feel safe and they are building their brand off you know promoting women and everything and i don't feel safe with someone who's gonna defend him to me if i were to bring something up which has happened so i am just like sort of it's hard for me to to reconcile those two things and i think that they can exist but i just my personal experiences and you know maybe i have some work to do on, on on settling that internally but it just it's hard for me to accept both as existing in the same um, at the same time, without it being hypocritical, so it's just I don't think that she should have to give up any opportunities. I don't blame her for taking I mean it's an amazing opportunity. She did an amazing job. she nearly broke a record for women. It's fucking awesome, but it more that's not the part that that I you know felt a certain way towards it. was more just the the statement of people who are complicit with d eggs are the problem with. Why women won't play poker and then also saying like i want all women to feel safe and then in in the same breath saying you know naggy's great just met him but he put me into this tournament
2: so uh, i i want to i want not push back but i want to follow up with that uh how how can ebony in a spot like she's in how can she separate herself from naggy in a meaningful way so in other words uh, how can she speak out against actions like Daniel without having to defend, apologize for, or even address the Nagy thing as a whole? Right. So, like, yeah. how can we hold Nagy accountable yeah. instead of Ebony? Right.
3: Um,
4: well. The problem is that. I'm sorry. to cut. No, no. go ahead. Because I
3: actually don't know. Yeah.
4: So <laughs> it's actually it's my answer to the first question. I think that there was no going around asking about Nagy after she brought up um, Daniel. Daniel, right? There's just no going around it. You can't throw stones when you live in a glass house, and I hate to say that, like, in that type of tone, but like, that's what it is. Well, it's it's, what, it's it, it, it has it, nothing to but do with it's indirectly. Like, it is. It is. Well, it is I just want to be clear
2: on your analogy because this, she's not the one living in the glass house. Nagy is.
4: Yes, but at the same time, she's underneath that umbrella. Well, it's. He's
3: using her for for his own image repair. He is. He is
2: is for sure. But what I'm saying is that, and this this contradiction comes up a lot. So that's why I'm really trying to have an open discussion about it because I think it's challenging. Uh, We we all are in agreement that she should never turn down a bag uh, from somebody who is a potentially uh, bad actor in this space, right?
1: Maybe the framing of how Joey brought it up should have been different
2: i think that's true right so
1: it's like because it's like um it's it's framed in a way of what yes right and that's that that's never a good thing it it, that never like leads to a good conclusion right right so so now she's put in this position where it's like well i do want to help women and make them feel safe but now i have to try to defend this yeah the situation that i'm in that we all agree that she should have Accepted, I right? like that. Right. So that's it. So it, it's, it's, she's just putting it such a tough spot when it's framed the way it was. Let me follow I, up real quick okay, Hold on it.
2: So uh, I, I like that a lot um, for a few reasons. Number one, it puts the responsibility on us asking the questions rather than on her as the person answering. Mm-hmm. And I think that's critical because the, the true question is not what are your feelings on Nagy? Cause that's unfair right like right. It, also it doesn't matter yeah the true question is what are your feelings on this topic as a whole and how does naggy fit into that mm-hmm. right and right. that that framing that reframing and altering of the language now allows her to speak openly and honestly without just dragging her boss and throwing him under the bus right. right go ahead connor
4: yeah no i mean i guess you're kind of right about the framing there but i think that like joey kind of has to imply this like he has to spin it. He, maybe he has to spin it in different words, but once that is brought up at the NAGs, it has to be... The naggy question has to be asked. That I also agree with. Like, there's so just I th- no I think, ifs, and about uh, it.
2: Uh, right. So I think both are complicit in some regard. I think that the larger responsibility falls on Joey, though, because it's his podcast, it's his platform. He's amplifying all of this, right? So if he misses the follow-up question, yeah, we're annoyed as an audience, but life goes on. If he drops the ball on the follow-up question, we end up having what we had yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. So I do think that uh, a key part of being a good interviewer is recognizing where that that pain point is, which is taking an anecdote about Negranu and turning it into an anecdote about Nagy, yeah. right? So I think you're right. You need to skip the whataboutism mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. dodge the logical fallacies here, and instead lean heavier into the unspoken larger topic at hand of, Okay, so you brought up Daniel and this incident that happened, and it made you feel a certain way, and as a woman in poker, you're constantly battling these things. Let's speak a a, a larger uh, picture at a whole. How has your experience in the game been overall outside of this isolated incident? Um, As a peer and a viewer from the outside looking in, what about other transgressions that we've seen? And then you can say, for instance, Gigi hiring Dan Bilzerian bill naggy being accused of sexual uh misconduct mm-hmm. or, or sexual harassment to his workers how do these isolated incidents play a role into your opinion as an advocate for women right, right. Mm-hmm. you, you yeah.
0: take the mm-hmm. global approach versus the of, like yeah. yeah pinned just like okay you say this what about this
4: yeah, Makes sense. I, I agree with that. But that's
0: hard to do in real time. That's yeah, what I was about to sure. say. I was going
4: to advocate mm-hmm. for Joey here because that's very hard to do in real time. Oh, and like,
0: yeah, no one's saying that, you know,
1: oh, he just, like, yeah, of course it's hard to do. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's
4: it's almost like you have to, like, know the DNA situation is going to come up before. Well, he produce. he
2: asked the question. Okay. Right? I and that. I think that uh, I understand your, your desire to advocate for Joey. We're all in his corner. Like, we love the content he puts out, and we certainly don't want to dampen it. No, 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 I'm not, I mean, not...
4: But, I'm just saying in this, uh, I'm, no, I'm, me, I'm like half an. half. I'm not saying though. in his corner for yeah, this interview. I'm yeah. saying
2: in his corner as a content creator. Yeah. Like we want him to succeed.
1: What you're saying is that-
4: We have he, to hold him
2: to a higher standard.
1: Right. And he, and since he, he brought up the instant. Neg- mm-hmm. so that if he brought it up, then he should know that he, the he Maggie's need, coming yes. up. So if he's he a good interviewer,
2: if he's a good right. interview worthy, uh, uh, interviewer worthy of right. the platform that he's created mm-hmm. and wants to continue to grow it moving forward, he absolutely has to be capable of that reframe in real time. Right. Otherwise, he has work to do on his skills, right?
1: Especially if he knew that he was going to bring up in the great right. thing. And, and we, we see,
2: see that. this happening at scale all the time with Rogan, right? He's not yeah. a polished professional interviewer. He's gotten a lot better in time, but he still drops the ball here and there. And when he does, he gets absolutely obliterated for it, right? Yeah. And that's not to say Joey should be obliterated here, no. but it might have cost him a friendship. So it's a very hard lesson to learn in that, like, yeah, we fired these mics up five days a week, and this definitely all started as like a, a let's just give this a go kind of thing i think we could be entertaining type of stuff but the problem is when you're filling content five days a week you can't ignore the big stuff yeah you know yeah. earlier this year roe v wade got passed and we made a collective decision to like just not speak on it right uh-huh. it, it felt it felt a little bit uh out of my jurisdiction so to speak uh-huh. and it was a little bit too touchy of a subject where uh nobody wanted to speak off the cuff but
4: Apollo is here.
2: Right. Right. So it ended up getting worse, right? Like, I, I wanted to open that pod with me just doing, like, uh, a two-minute breakdown of how important this decision was. Like, maybe the most important court decision we see in our lifetimes. Right. Uh, and it was kind of like, maybe this isn't the right idea. type. Of, like, there, there was hesitation behind it, right? Right. I was like, okay, well, if there's hesitation in this room, then I'm not going to overstep. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that hesitation probably projects out to the audience. But what ended up happening was we got a ton of <laughs> negative feedback instead because DePaulo just trolled Roe v. Wade for the first 15 minutes.
4: Fucking DePaulo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like,
2: it, I, I mean, it's not funny. Like, yeah. it's, it, it truly is a life-altering thing for a lot of people, and I understand wanting to make light of it, but... Now it's like I was being conservative based off of like potentially overstepping a little bit. And instead we went in the whole other direction Mm -hmm. where it became a meme. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right? Right. And that's on me because it's like, you know, as you grow these five, if you want the ultimate end goal of being that host that has... You know, hundreds of thousands of viewers or millions of hits on whatever. If you want to eventually land on that platform, you can't be loose about it, right? We've seen it play out too much in the past. We've seen the Rush Limbaughs rise to fame and then just steer hard into one fucking echo chamber where like they're just terrorists on the internet, basically. Mm -hmm. We've seen the Alex Jones things play out. Like, uh, and and, you know, I know I'm using extremists that way, but like it happens on the other side too. Uh, And the last thing you want to do is fall victim to the own narrative and reality that you've built in your own head right where uh, well this is my stage and the way that I speak is the end-all be-all and they'll have to adjust to me kind of thing right It's very critical to learn these interviewing skills even if you're not Tom Brokaw who spent a lifetime trying to to, to polish it right right you don't have to go to journalism school any longer like we can we can sharpen these skills, uh, through some education, and I, I guess like ultimately, that's what I'm arriving at. Is like yeah. we need to hold our biggest voices to a higher standard. Well, Doug, Doug's yeah. a great example, right? With the with the Coinflex thing, uh, he's a guy who's outspoken for five years about all things negative. Anytime they came across his desk, be it high rake or cheating or whatever. Like he was the first one to have a bullet in breaking news, breaking news. This just <laughs> <in>. <laughs> Doug <Paul> talks about <laughs> shit again, right? It's like he was the first one to do it. And then he's, he finds himself on the other side of it and he gets super defensive of like, why aren't mm-hmm. you guys giving me grace here? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always been an advocate for you. Yada, yada, yada. And it's like, well, because you're shit at what you do. Yeah. You never tried to get better and you just continually, Frame things in a way that benefited you and harmed the people that you were attacking well now guess what you're on the other side of it you know you're on the other side of you're on the wrong side of an opinion of a sports illustrated cover you're on the wrong side of a shill and when you're on the wrong side of it there are going to be other doug polks out there to drag you through the fucking mud and that's exactly what happened the entire crypto space just ripped him apart on the internet
0: right it's like a, it's like a hyenas you know like he, they swarm. They just come in and and the big thing there when it comes to improving the platform and like sharpening skills is the aspect of intentionally trying to sharpen. Like the idea of trying to get better as an interviewer Correct. if you want to do more podcasts, trying to get better at podcasts if you want to become a bigger podcast like we're trying to be. And all of these skills take time, effort and energy and also realizing that there are going to be mistakes along the way, but we can be as conscious as possible about mitigating those.
2: Yeah, I think that that's, that's for sure true uh we touched on a lot of these other questions i've written down but um no we touched on that okay so like the last one i guess i have for for you guys collectively is uh with all of that being said do we think that you know these more nuanced conversations uh, like first let me lay a little groundwork let's call poker for what it is it's an eclectic mix of people uh or, or it's at least open to an eclectic mix of people. Maybe it looks a little bit male and whitewashed whenever you look at the actual stats. It's eclectic adjacent. Y- sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> on, on, on the outer thirds... on the, uh, on the it's outer not thirds. Eclectic, but... Well, on the outer thirds of the bell curve, yeah. you'll, see, you'll see a lot of diversity. But yes, ac- across the aggregate, it's not that eclectic. But it, it's open. Worldwide, it's certainly eclectic, right? Uh, but most importantly, it draws in high intellect, right? Very similar to the chess community. So... This is what should be a very knowledgeable community, a very intelligent community, a community very capable of growth and uh, insight. Uh, And and we already see this, right? We see a lot of people that have been around for a long time wanting to do more. Liv Bree, a great example. Mm -hmm. She's managed to transition into uh, not just science but content creation uh, as a whole. She's uh, a mouthpiece for her former community of poker on major, major, major platforms like Tim Ferriss, uh, you know, it, that is the end goal, I think, for a lot of people. Igor, her partner, uh, being another example, like uh, fighting hard for effective altruism and like leaning heavy into that to the point where like he almost had a role with Elon Musk. These, these are big mountain moving type of things, right? So with all of that groundwork laid as a community, do we benefit from having these bigger discussions that require a lot of nuance, require a lot of grace and good faith between the people having them, uh, do we do so in a meaningful way, in a thoughtful way? Or is this largely just like a lot of shouting from whatever team you al- align yourself to in order to get clicks and uh, you know, more inter- interaction?
0: man there's such like a there could be like you could have the machiavellian approach of trying to get as much click as possible building your platform as big as possible and then using that platform for good right, right. But who's to say that's the best way to go about it
2: mm-hmm. well when you say for good uh elaborate it's
0: subjective
2: right or at least what are you gonna do well because that, that, that's
3: village in uganda uh,
2: well i mean that that is the heart of my question right like yeah. uh A lot of these conversations we're having are philosophical in nature yeah do we as a community benefit from attempting to be a little bit more thoughtful a little bit more willing to engage or is it just turning into like a mudslinging contest where you know uh everybody gets positioned to one side or the other and if you live long enough you'll ultimately become the villain
0: that's what they say in Batman. That's what they say. <laughs> I, I
2: mean, to some degree, we're seeing this happen with d Next, right? The more outspoken he is, the more mm-hmm. of an asshole yeah. he is to yeah. uh, a large subsection of the community, right? So, I, I, I mean, I know that there isn't a clear answer to this, but I pose the question because I, I think it's a very meaningful one. Uh, I, you know, I'm guilty of this. I engage a lot whenever it comes to uh topics of conversation like uh, i think melissa asked me yesterday like or it was landing yeah, he's it. like why do you why do you argue with nobody's on the internet about <laughs> he's
3: arguing with diet an and nutrition. about fitness or something <laughs> 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 which is like the most working thing well, ever
2: well. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, it was like a very simple thing to me where it's like i feel like uh if even the onlookers are, are taking anything away from this it's a good thing because the the whole conversation spurned from i posted a tweet thread that scientifically disproved the, the myth of cholesterol consumed uh, leading to heart disease. And somebody who, it wasn't an alt account, he's, he's a follower of mine who like, is usually pretty uh, graceful in his exchange with me. And He was in this instance too. Uh, he just wholeheartedly took the other side. And I was like, you obviously didn't read the thread. And he's like, too long, you know? And it's like, so, okay, well- <laughs> Right, from there, I would, never, I would not respond to that. Right, and, and I, mostly, I mostly disengaged, but like, he kept leaning on red meat and then citing a lot of it's funny. It's always the same article that's cited. It's this like weird BBC article that says like the title literally says like red meat and processed meats lead to uh, heart disease. Yeah. It's like yeah, processed meats lead to heart disease. We, <laughs> we agree. Yeah, we agree. Right. Like what's the what's the conversation here? Once but,
0: someone tries to start like pinpointing certain things to play the get you game. I'm done. Yeah.
2: So I, I just said like let's let's try a reframe here. Do you think eating a dozen eggs a day will lead to a heart attack? And he just got, he says like if you're overweight yes. And it's like okay. Please go read the thread and that's where it ended right like mm-hmm. that that was the final disengagement and everything but it's like uh, that that's obviously on a small scale, but let's say that that guy was someone else with a thirty thousand person platform mm-hmm. like are these conversations worth having right you know do they actually bring value to the the hundreds of thousands of people who may have uh, saw I- impressions with that right I see what you're saying because there are certainly times when
0: so you'll respond to something or even i'll respond to something and i'll get a message from somebody that's not actively involved in the conversation yeah. but i'll get a message like through a dm or through a text like hey uh i've read this and here's my thoughts on these things or and these things are sometimes transformative right because people learn from these discussions i think it's just a matter in how Good of faith, the arguments being taken. Because yeah. once someone says yeah. to you, "Oh man, that's too long," it's like, okay, what are you trying to do here?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You're just trying to bait. Exactly.
0: Obviously. it's like, man. if someone's trying to operate from an actual good faith standpoint, instead of trying to play the "yo hold this ratio" like kind right. of mentality,
2: there's a, <laughs> so, there's positives it. I think you bring up a good point there, uh, in the sense of like maybe it's less about the actual conversations taking place because, you know, throughout the, throughout the history of man. <laughs> these types of conversations of what led to growth Yeah, here we are now right like just philosophy as a whole wouldn't exist if it didn't have value right uh so maybe it's not the actual questions being posed and answered it's more so a question of like uh how do we get to a point where the the platform itself be it podcast be it uh twitter be it other social media platforms whatever how do we get to a point where people are more responsible and we start holding people to a higher bar because i think that's ultimately where we're arriving at here Right? The bar is just yeah. too low. It's too easy to fire up a stream. It's too easy to have Twitter fingers. <laughs> it's uh, too
0: easy to make an alt account on Twitter and just start roasting someone if you want to. But how to. would True. you
3: police that bar? You can't. You know? That's the thing. Is you like can't. Anyone can have a platform and say what they want, and this is sort of un part of territory where this many voices are able to reach the public like this before you had to be a journalist or you had to be a person in media you had to go through barriers of entry in order to have a voice publicly now you can just have one and that puts a lot of onus on us as readers and as people who digest content of of who you know who we're well, allowing into that and, and what credibility we're, we're right. giving that person. Right, right.
2: Obviously it can't be policed, but I do think that there is a certain uh, degree of credit that comes from the council of peers, right? So mm-hmm. when other large platforms engage with you, be it in a meaningful way or in a uh, distasteful way because they're pushing back hard, yeah. that often will signal to the general populace of how much credit or discredit this person deserves. Right. Mm-hmm. The problem is, in my experience, And I think, again, I I hate to hammer this, but Polk is the perfect example. Uh, People who are interested in growth overall Mm -hmm. will just utilize that to uh, kind of disqualify anyone that's their peer. Yeah. Anyone that's a competitor, right? And we've seen this from a handful in this community where it's like their natural response to everything is, you're wrong, I'm right, and I'm going to prop myself up.
3: that's sort of what Ebony was talking about with dean eggs. Like sh- yes, that, that yes. seems to be what her like one of her main complaints with him was I think
2: she's right. I absolutely think she's right. I think the problem is, and I said this in the beginning but didn't really follow up on it. I think the problem is is that the whole incident was brought to his attention because she publicly called him out. Yeah. So I do think she has a certain sense of responsibility to deciding to not handle that or yeah to not handle that matter privately Mm -hmm. and when that occurs i don't know what else what other response would you ever expect yeah you're not gonna get a humble i'm sorry i made you feel that way (laughs) so so it's gonna be what the fuck are you talking about this is 14 years ago i don't remember doing that and you're crazy i I
0: was gonna say like that is the issue with trying to publicly sus anecdotal evidence
2: yeah especially in a female male dynamic yeah Right, because uh, we absolutely should be be believing women when they when they're claiming that they're a victim of something. Yeah, but it then becomes this issue where it's like, as a guy, how do you handle it? Right, because there are so many degrees of accusations. Yeah, in this instance, she's she's just literally like saying something happened, and apology would be more than sufficient, I think, from her vantage point. Right, but you know, from his perspective, it's like well, uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. So if I don't snuff this out right now, the next thing I know... And, and you know, it did kind of happen like, where he had that weird stalker calling him, saying oh, yeah. that like, he has another family so in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like... Uh, the well, plot, the, the plot thickens. Well, I, I don't know. I think it just disappeared. But, yeah. but I guess my point is that, like, we do all have to be so much more thoughtful as our, our public persona grows. And I don't think any of us are trained into this nobody none of us wish this upon ourselves. I mean, no. obviously we all benefit from it and that's yeah. why we lean in. but I even notice myself like the way that I engage even just in writing with uh with the opposite sex mm. is very, very well like parsed through it's yeah. to ensure that like there's no mis understanding of a sentence or of words yeah like it can't be misconstrued as being over sexualized or, or anything of that like flirting via text is hard i know now. well and that's flirting in general of...
0: is hard don't even get me started <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. yeah don't. we know that yeah don't. well that's sort of yeah. i i talk
3: about this sometimes where it's unfortunate because the people who are uh extra careful and sort of paranoid about that are not the ones right who are the problem <laughs> right. we're, we're talking about the people the people who are raping and assaulting and crossing boundaries repeatedly like they're not worried about that they're not having that mental checklist they're not editing themselves and they're the problem
2: and i think Nagy's like an obvious example of that Right. Yeah. Like whether whether all of the things he's being accused of were ill intended by him or just like his inability to communicate in a professional manner doesn't really matter. What matters is that it never crossed his fucking mind there's that it was of imbal- power
3: imbalance yeah. there and that, you know, it's more likely to get through because the girl doesn't want um, to have like opportunities be damaged in the future or anything like that that just shouldn't be ever a thing and it's clear that there wasn't a mental checklist or editing process internally there but a lot of the people who are really scared of you know being misinterpreted like they're not the issue
0: yeah right. there's a lack of how how you say when you are in a position sometimes it's hard to be on the ball 100 percent of the time like in the Phil situation, like saying the things he said, right? Some things as an individual slip your mind. Other things are completely not allowed. Right. Right. Like out of the realm of normal. Out of pocket. Far, right, far right, right. Out of pocket. right. Right. Like as far out of the pocket as you, could, as you can get, right. you know? And that's sort of the. Like when you have a public platform, when you have an audience, there needs to be more con. Like con- more of a conscientious effort from the individual to clarify their statements and yeah. leave no nuance like it's so important not to have people misconstrue things because when you do have that critical mass of x amount of people there are going to be people that are praying for your downfall yeah
3: i mean i would think that it would be especially a diligent t- uh, checklist for a ceo ahead of a company right you know, yeah. exactly that's their whole career on the line but clearly not because it doesn't really matter. Well, right. with
2: with power and money comes looseness and the uh, ability to make things go away. I think. Yeah. I also think like doubling down on that, or or maybe uh, building off of that, uh, uh, another thing that we didn't really touch on, but I think is incredibly critical to talk about is uh, the the weight through which we give call out calling people out, yeah. right? So like I do think that there is this toxic desire. To frame everything as the worst thing that's ever happened, yeah. and like look for look for missteps in uh, anybody with a platform's uh, character mm-hmm. where you can just assassinate them. Yeah, and I see it all the time. Obviously, like I see it for myself. There, there's like this small collective that is just like trying so desperately to assassinate my character yeah. because a they don't know me in real life, mm-hmm. and b like I'll say a thing that to them is very triggering. That's how it always is. But perhaps to uh, the the larger audience as a whole is agnostic, right? Like if you don't have... And and you know to to be fair, like I also say things that are thoughtless and aren't considerate of uh, my everyone, overall audience. Everyone does yeah, and like for sure, you're gonna find me in a gotcha moment. 100, yeah. percent you'll find everybody in a there's gotcha hundreds moment.
3: hundreds of hours of us talking. Correct. Like enjoy. You,
2: you will absolutely catch me in a gotcha. I <laughs> right. I'm I'm here to say it. Like for sure, without any question, it's it, it's the context of the gotcha and how egregious it is. Right. When you say things that uh, are so bad that there's no walking it back then you haven't done enough thinking or, or, or enough mm-hmm. self-reflection to, to put yourself in a position to actually have a mic 24-7. Yeah. But like when you say things that you know, could be taken one way or the other and a certain collective uh, will, will probably take it for the worst because they think little of you or they think that you represent a, a, a certain aspect of culture right. that has been poor to them in the past.
0: Like how dare you have a microphone and a platform? You're not
2: allowed to do that. It's more so them. that they're trying... like. if if, like for instance if as a woman you are just totally off put by andrew tate which you should be for what it's worth because he's an awful human being and i say something andrew tate adjacent right and when i say adjacent i don't (laughs) when i I say adjacent i don't mean like something that he said that i agree with but more so like he obviously interweaves a lot of things that are benign and and taken in isolation are true. But he interweaves them with opinions that are just like terribly misogynistic and clearly like uh aggressive towards women, right? Mm-hmm. Also, so
3: dude walks like he's holding in a fat <laughs> shit. It's <That's> ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he can't be acting like that I when mean, you walk like that. You
2: know, that. I, I don't disagree. He he walks a little bit weird. Yeah. A little weird. Yeah. Uh, a little yeah. sus. Anyway. Uh but like, yeah, if I say some things that uh, you know, are are when taken out of context could easily throw me into that right i think the people that are attempting that gotcha bullshit are the ones that are just as much a a, a point of the problem as anybody else Mm -hmm. because now they're crying wolf right you're trying to thrust somebody who's like not only not adjacent to this caricature that you're trying to align him with but also opposed like outwardly opposed And you're trying to reframe it such that like, well, actually you claim you're opposed on the surface, but you guys are pretty much the same because you said these three words or or something of that nature. It's like, we're human, we're all growing, we're all learning the rules as we go and we're all going to slip up, right? If you don't understand that it's a spectrum, and yep. you don't judge people on their full body of work, mm-hmm. then you're going to find something wrong with everybody. And yeah. it's going to be one of those things where if you stick around long enough, everyone will become the villain, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Don't meet your heroes because you're just going to tear them to shreds. Yeah. And the, the problem with that is that that is a glass house situation where the people constantly throwing stones have a lot of skeletons in their closets as well and uh, don't take well to being called out. right so it's like when the call outs get returned it's i'm a smaller platform than you you're punching down like you are uh you're you should be the bigger man and just apologize for the things that i'm pointing out like i'm trying to help you it's like no you're not Mm -hmm. you're trying to further your agenda and you're trying to take my platform and weaponize it against me yeah right Mm -hmm. and to some degree i felt like that's like, that's what led to the naggy thing getting brought up in the interview is because the d negs thing felt like an agenda, almost. Yeah. Even though it wasn't, Joey's the one who asked the question, but because it was so anecdotal to Ebony, uh, it now comes kind of comes off as, uh, I want this man to apologize. I want the old D-Nex back. And that's fine. Like, we all do. Like, <laughs> Daniel's gotten a little bit cringe in his old age. Aww. I Look, I love the guy, but like, you know, he just doesn't... He absolutely more than anybody else in this industry, given the weight of his platform, yeah. how big of a, a deal he is to the community at a whole, he more than anybody else needs somebody to proofread all of his tweets. He 100% <laughs> needs someone to look at everything. Okay. Dan and I used to do this for ourselves right. whenever we were roommates. Like When my platform was growing and he was already at like the 25K mark and stuff like that. We're very outspoken people who lean on crass humor and aren't afraid to like kind of overstep a little bit. And constantly he would write things that I found to be hilarious, Mm -hmm. but I would read and say, don't tweet that.
1: Yeah. You need that that. now. Yeah. You're sending to a group saying, should I hit send?
2: Right. Like (laughs) Daniel. And and to Ebony's credit, she pointed this out. She said, I don't think there's anybody around Nagy saying that what he does is okay. Mm -hmm. But it seems like there's no one around Daniel kind of checking him hmm. saying like stop pressing fucking send man mm-hmm. like just stop it you know and <laughs> look away it's so it's so difficult because it's like on on one end i'm sure he feels constantly under attack and i feel like he he yeah. probably needs to defend his side but it's just not true man you've already built the platform you know you don't need to be out in the streets you, you don't need to be in the trenches slinging it out every day with a bunch of eggs on on twitter Right. Like, let your engagement with somebody who only has 43 followers be a positive experience where they can say, like, wow, Daniel Negreanu responded to me. Mm. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, I remember, not, to be fair, he's, he's also a little bit in the Daniel camp, but I remember when Scott Van Pelt replied to me in a tweet. Uh, this was maybe like five or six years ago. Also, Pat McAfee, whenever the apostle thing happened he replied to me in a tweet.
3: Really? Yeah, and it was that like, must was, have been a big day wow. for
2: you. I was like, screenshotting him, like, yo, this is awesome. Like, yeah. I'm having a conversation with a guy who, like, That's has... That's the cool part about yeah. social media. Yeah, it's like, he has no business talking to a nobody like me, right? Wow. And, like, I was so excited That's over amazing. it. amazing. it's like, imagine the people that are screenshotting the DNEG's tweets. I love that yeah. for you. I love that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? But, like, the people <laughs> screenshotting the DNEG's tweets are like, look, I got this asshole to call me a dickhead right. on, on right. Twitter. It's, it's like, like
0: they want to bet. Like, I bet you can. like... I bet I, I can
2: bet say something crazy enough that daniel will like try to 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 Uh anally feed me my teeth
3: well that's sort of something that i've been mindful of and i was mindful of when i was streaming on twitch more and stuff where sort of what you give attention to grows Yeah. So, uh, I, I at the beginning was very combative, as I like to be sometimes, mm. with um, shocking with the people who would come in and sort of like troll me and be mean. And I was, and then I just noticed there was more and more of that coming. Yeah. yeah. And so once I started ignoring that and I started actually only interacting with people who were being normal, then the problem went away. Is this
0: why negging exists? Yeah. Mm. But the, yeah.
3: the, this is why I ignore it. But negging also it's exists silly because we're, we're
2: just insecure as humans, yeah, yeah. Uh, across the aggregate, exactly. right? And it's like, yeah, to your point, that's that's why I'm always so particular about, uh, like forget what goes out to the airwaves. I care more about us as a collective group. So it's like I'm constantly kind of checking the atmosphere here because when we pile on to someone within the group, mm-hmm. when we start to neg somebody on air in a not necessarily good nature way or not an obvious good nature way just watch the comments yeah just watch the comments like everybody chooses a side yeah and it ends up being like host pitted against host Mm -hmm. and it's like well that's clearly not what we're trying to create here right it's like it's so much different if you're running a bit yeah right like when you're running a bit it's so obvious like the tab yeah the tab bit is great like Mm -hmm. nobody's ever called conrad like uh, a Anything negative they as will far as, like...
4: after whatever is
2: you're going to say. That's why I stopped myself. Yeah. Watch out, yeah. I, I, wonder, I,
4: wonder, I think they
2: have. I was about I to give a Um,
4: it, There's been, like, negative connotation toward it, but I just don't give a fuck. I, so.
2: I don't think it's been towards the tab. I think that, like, you get uh, unfair hate for, like, laughing all the time and being the laugh track. No, no, I don't think... And we don't lean into that bit enough, I guess. Uh, what, the laughing bit? Well, just that he's a laugh track. Yeah. <laughs> 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 case in point. Uh, I honestly I would love to take like uh just like cut that out. Uh take take that little laughing segment. Right, the audio snippet. And then you can download episodes of friends from YouTube where the laugh track is removed <laughs> and change it, and and add it. All right. So first of all, like if you ever watch an episode of friends without the laugh track, it's so weird. It's frightening.
0: Yeah, it's like, so weird.
2: It's fri- it's so weird because it's like Really? I don't think we understand how much we lean on social cues, mm-hmm. yeah. because a lot of the humor there is like a little bit deadpan or awkward, right? It's like an awkward uh, occurrence uh-huh. where, as a viewer, you find it funny. Well,
3: there's also probably pauses without the laugh track. A little Imagine bit wouldn't but be there otherwise. Not
2: quite as much as you think. Um, they did. They were uh, actually. It's not even a laugh track. I think they filmed in front of a live studio yeah. audience. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, but but anyway, like it's often like uh, an observer who's laughing at a funny situation where, if you're actually in it. It's not funny at all. Mm-hmm. And like you see some of these awkward scenarios come up. Like the the one I remember is uh when his boss calls him in and he uh Ross had like had this uh aggro thing going on where somebody ate a sandwich out of his fridge and he's been putting like post-it notes on it and all this other stuff and his coworkers are getting uncomfortable. So his boss is like, uh I understand that like you've been having a problem with your coworkers. He's like somebody now, uh you know, we call this sandwich the moist. Because it's so good, it's a turkey sandwich, yada yada. And somebody ate my sandwich, and, and the boss goes, "Oh, actually, I think I ate that sandwich." <laughs> and he's like, "My sandwich?" He goes, "Yeah, actually, it's in my trash can right now." He goes, "My sandwich." He, goes, it was a very big sandwich. You ate my sandwich, but without the laughter, it's it's like watching a scary movie unfold. You think, <laughs> like you think he's gonna get murdered, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just want to roll like Conrad over that as the new laugh track. I think it actually might be funnier.
0: Yeah, I guess like there's there's something to that with the social cues and the uh, objective third party onlook where it's like, oh, this is actually supposed to be a funny situation because we as the audience are removed from it. Correct.
2: Yeah, you're not there. You're. It's that's how you know like a good uh, or like a well filmed uh, scene in a movie is that it's so cringe that you've become inserted into it mm-hmm. right like and you want like to you want to look away because oh, it's so cringe yeah or like uh it's so awkward you know like uh, a young man going in for a first kiss and they just they they've built it up in such a way that it's so palpable yeah. as to how it. awkward it is like mm-hmm. i felt feel that before and yeah. you just like want to look away oh, as you're about to get rejected i
0: hate that i hate I that of course it. i hate that like, that's why i
3: love the office that's it's
2: also just... why you like dr pimple popper
0: uh-huh
1: yeah, yeah but the, the office is <laughs> like that. A lot. Yeah. Like yeah,
0: looking, at, looking at looking uh, at Michael Scott through a third party lens is just a blast.
3: It's like the uncomfortable, the cringe. Yeah. like I just find it so funny. Like, and no laugh yeah. track.
2: Yeah, yeah no I actually it. I, I I find that show not funny. Like I find it super cringe. You didn't because you any
3: you. You can't handle the cringe.
2: It's true. I maybe shy maybe away from really, that. Yeah. Like I that's, love it. That's I lean in type of so hard. There was, there that's was, why yeah. I want to
3: have a first date on air. I mean, you know how cringe that'll be, oh. but I will mm. love it because Actually, so as you cringe. describe it,
2: I know I said I wanted to be here. I don't. No, I, you
0: guys don't want to be <laughs> here. You're, no, you're going to feel I, awkward. If either yeah. of us have a date on the podcast, like a podcast date, you're, they're not here. Yeah, it'd be more fun just watching it and being in the chat. Really? Of course i do it. I'd do anything.
3: Okay. So we'll do we'll both do it. Oh, yeah. double date double on date. the pod. No, like, no not yeah. a double date. we we'll, are going to be mm. and I we're going to we're going to set the lights. We'll have a candle, <laughs> you know, maybe Guapo we'll will get some food maybe. We'll be here like playing some nice Brushing music. His teeth with tortillas. Guapo's going
0: to be here like no tortillas. Guapo's going to be here running the show. That's how the, well, yeah. yeah,
3: but maybe he'll add in some
0: nice, you yeah, know, we'll sensual rubrics. music yeah, in the background. Yeah, oh, some some uh, extra added effects if yeah. you will. Yeah, little boys the men I'll make love to you. You don't have to do all you definitely don't have to do any of that. But like, there's an episode from The Office uh, where there's like a dinner party. It's, it's called, the best episode. It's ever. one of the most yeah. cringe so situations awkward. to ever watch. But you know you can laugh, and because you're not there.
3: Yeah, you can laugh for relief
0: yeah it, it's
3: the relief laugh i Michael think i'm, I'm addicted to... to relief you know it's why i yeah. like the toenails i like the pimples i like oh to laugh at cringe yeah. yeah chins
4: dr mamacita said melissa we can go on a double date with christian let's go <laughs> i'm
3: in you have anyone to set me up with from the dr or no she's up?
2: trying to she's trying to make it a three-way interesting well he has um, to come back to vegas first well, right yeah yep Oh, that would actually be great if the entire Melissa uh, date experiment here just had Conrad's laugh track playing over it.
3: <laughs> just had, But he, it's live, live studio audience. Honestly, <laughs> maybe.
2: I He's just sitting there laughing. He would, uh,
3: you would, I don't think you would be able to handle that. Maybe we put him
2: in like the back room watching a stream of it you happen and him just laughing, laughing over yeah. it. He He's not allowed yeah. comment. He's
1: just allowed to just sit there and laugh.
3: Or it could go really well, and you sure. guys witness There's the like beginning of who, something who I'm going to marry. I
2: yes. mean, that could be amazing. amazing. Like, three years from now, we just have your wedding on air.
4: The right? only way that thing goes well is if it's, like, the most disgusting conversation humanly possible. Yeah.
2: That that would be what would lead to wife no, you. That's, yeah.
4: probably, that's usually how
3: my dates go if I have them, he which just I wa- don't really. He
2: just walks in, like, locks eyes with her, and shit's in the middle of the floor. <laughs>
3: We'll make a statement you're the one i we'll would make a statement for sure
2: yeah. you're gonna you're gonna we might get, we
3: well, get i mean we, we might go viral off that yeah for
2: sure for so, sure 100 yeah, i like, I like this that's idea. what the platform is for yeah right? so it's clear we're being very responsible with our platform yeah. <laughs> as we've discussed it like today uh, i can't imagine a better usage for it to be quite frank
3: yeah uh,
2: Uh, All right, that's going to wrap it for us today. I hope you guys enjoyed this discussion. Please uh, like, comment below. Let us know what you thought of uh, the Ebony Joey interview. If you watched it, let us know what you thought of today's reaction to said interview. Don't forget to subscribe before you're on your way out. Uh, For anybody who is uh, a Software YTV member, don't forget that we have (coughs) launched the new uh, range viewer tool. Uh, So this currently is 100 Big Blind Mid-Stake Rate mixed mid stake rake ranges uh with varying opening sizes from 2x all the way up to 3x it also has 200 big blind mid stake raising ranges or, or sorry mid stake rake ranges uh next to be added will be 100 big blind no rake so um you know please take advantage of that uh as always we will be back same time tomorrow i actually won't be here i am heading to the bike uh i think we got a little bit of 5,100 teed up oh, uh, shit. oh, In oh
1: the wait, wait, wait
2: wait a minute wait a minute who called you bad who got you back on i don't i don't know uh there's a good chance that the lineup's just not great and they need a seat to to be filled but you i'm here they
0: need a <laughs> yeah. exactly that's part for my stream right when I, yeah eh.
2: i i think uh the text went is such hey are you free friday <laughs> Uh, yeah, what do you got lined up? I have one person who's also willing to play. Are you in? Yeah. Three minutes later. Game's full. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go, baby. That is the the energy that we need. (laughs) Five minutes later. Game's full. Stakes are doubled. Hey, Berkey's playing.
4: Who wants to come out?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Who Who wants to
0: go to L.A.? Can it please be the case?
4: You just just find out when you get to the table, everybody flew in from like fucking halfway across the world. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, the four
2: corners of the earth. It's like four East Coasters and an Australian. You're just like, what the fuck is going on? Well, they told me you
4: were going to play, mate.
2: (laughs) Honestly, that would be a dream. The Aussies love me, man. They they, they absolutely get get after We need
3: the for Y Australia trip.
2: Totally agree. I want to find
3: my Australian That could be
2: where the date happens. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in for this. Aussies
3: would be so down. Oh, they're 100% down for everything.
2: 100%. You know what? I truly do think you need an Australian man.
3: I do too, and so does my whole family. <laughs> I think
2: that's like the 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 floor My of... family
3: is Australian and they're like, "Why are you not dating an Australian guy? Like the humor yes, is just yes. that. it's it's
2: the it's the floor of tolerance for you. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like you have to be at least Australian. Yeah, in order to tolerate a Melissa in your life.
3: Yeah, probably. And
2: uh, yeah, they they wouldn't even bat an eye at the disgusting shit. Yeah, that you're I mean, into. they
3: live with dangerous insects right. and animals. Like,
2: yeah. they'd just be happy that stuff. you don't pose a threat to them. Yeah, you know, like she's harmless, mate.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's you're perfect. <laughs>
2: Nailed it. Sold. All right, we'll be back. Well, I won't be back, but the rest of the squad will be here. You're left in good hands. Yeah. I hope you guys you're enjoy. Leaving, you're leaving us. I hope you enjoy the Friday show. Don't uh, leave us, Landon, Melissa. Please. Don't burn the place down. Uh, We'll see you guys noon tomorrow. And uh, I think the live of the bike stream starts at three. So be sure to check that out. We'll see you then. Well, peace.